0: Focus on cloud, data center industry trends, and dynamic market. I'm David Liggett with Data Center Hawk, and I'm with Andy Stewart, uh, President and CEO of Evoke Data Centers. Andy, good morning. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks, David. Very nice meeting you, and thanks for having me.
0: Uh, you know, when we were talking before, I, I we were talking about just um, you know what it must be like to take over an organization uh, in the midst of you know one of the ch- most challenging times we've had not only in the data center industry but also the world talk about that what's that been like uh, to you know assume the position of CEO uh, of evoke during this time and then talk about your background uh, coming into uh, the, the company
1: yeah so no it's, it's' it's been strange to say the least um, I think at at this stage in your career, oftentimes you kind of get a chance to pick kind of who you work for and who you work with. And and you find that out by spending time in person. Uh, So the fact that my entire interview process was done over Zoom, I didn't get a chance or haven't had a chance to meet the the Brookfield team, the owners of Evoke in person yet. Uh, Haven't had a chance to go to dinner with them. All of the normal things that you do to kind of build a relationship just hasn't happened. And then to be kind of, to be dropped into Evoke and uh and to have to meet the team over zoom and try to build a relationship that way it's it's been a challenge it's, it's going well uh but it's definitely been a, a new way of, of doing things
0: so for those that don't know talk about how you got involved in the data center industry starting out like what was your first entrance into this industry
1: yeah so uh, i had the, the good fortune of working for a, a company that that built businesses in the communications infrastructure space and um, had been, uh, been active in, in cable television and building out a large cable footprint. And then around 2007, 2008, had a chance to kind of go look for that next platform and very quickly just gravitated towards the data center space. So all of the macro trends around outsourced IT, around the efficiency of third-party colo providers, building and operating data centers for, for enterprise clients, <clears throat> so, so really started you know, um, just diving into the industry as best I could, but as, as everybody knows, 2008 was the absolute worst time in history to do a deal. Um, you know, nothing was happening. Banks weren't lending money. So despite our efforts for, for two years, we were unsuccessful at kind of finding that platform. And eventually um, I was told to kind of roll up my sleeves. Let's do it you know, one data center at a time if that's what it takes. And we, uh, we called in a few favors with some of our, our banking partners over the years and ended up acquiring a business in Dallas, Texas called Colo4. Uh, so I, I joined um, as the CFO in 2010, and that really became the basis for what evolved into TierPoint. So we, we grew that through, uh, through five acquisitions and then recapitalized the business, brought in some larger uh, outside investors, did three more transformational acquisitions, kind of 13 deals in total, and now, tier point is approaching—you know, four hundred million in revenue and forty data centers across the U.S. So, from that single data center, that one idea uh, in, in Dallas, now it's—you uh, know—one of the largest operators in the U.S.
0: Well, that's incredible, uh, and you know, certainly positions you well to to lead evoke into this next. Uh, you know, kind of evolution of, of their company. Talk about what was exciting about, you know, the Evoke platform, uh, what they've done over the last few years that really drew you to want to take on this position.
1: Yeah, so I, I think there were probably three primary things that got me really excited about the opportunity. Um, the first being that in many ways, it's a startup, right? We, the the business was carved out of AT&T just 18 months ago. So there wasn't this you know, legacy of, of technical debt to deal with, or or old processes that were really kind of outdated. It really was in many ways a billion dollar startup. So Mm -hmm. so that in itself was was incredibly exciting knowing that I could come in, be impactful on the strategy, on the culture and and the future. Um, The second thing that was exciting was was our backing. Uh, Brookfield uh, is a 500 plus billion dollar alternative asset manager. They wanna invest more around digital infrastructure. So knowing that I had A a investment partner with a long-term horizon uh, was exciting and just their approach and their culture uh, felt like it was a really good fit for me Um, so so that was second and then third was um, was just seeing this it's a platform of scale but because we're only retail colo today there is a real opportunity to to move into more products and services over time Um, that it was it was it was very clean we had a lot we have a large base of enterprise clients and knowing that we now have the ability or will develop the ability to serve them in more kind of a hybrid IT fashion um, was was exciting as well and and my background at TierPoint was uh, was kind of perfect for that that evolution into more uh, a, a broader range of products and services beyond just uh, co-location.
0: Andy one of the trends we have seen in every market and in every country over the last two years has really been the pursuit of you know 15 to 20 companies that have really large data center it requirements and in our world we call that the hyperscale market um talk about evokes mindset behind that traditionally you know the company has done retail co-location do you think that is a market that you will get into eventually or will you continue to stick with you know, what you're doing today and maybe adding services on top of that.
1: Yeah, when you see the the incredible growth in hyperscale and 50, 100, 200 megawatt campuses being built and being filled up, it's hard not to get excited about that opportunity, but that's actually not a good fit for, for Evoke. We want to have relationships with those 10 or 20 clients on a global scale. We think our data centers are a good fit for them for certain deployments, um, but those are deployments kind of under 10 megawatts. Um, the, the opportunities that the advantage or Cloud HQ or Compass are chasing in, in that 50 megawatt up range, that's just not a good fit for us. Um, we think we can be differentiated uh, by going after enterprise co-location and evolving into a hybrid IP services provider focused on the enterprise and focused on global enterprise. That's one of the differentiators we have is is our global footprint. And the level of importance to that to enterprise clients we think is is significant in an area we can actually carve out um, a bit of a niche to be successful.
0: Well, you know, Andy, one of the things we talked about when we started this discussion was the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, and so I'm just interested in your thoughts on how you've seen that impact, um, you know, whether it's Evoke or just the data center industry as a whole. What do you think the impact has been and what do you think it will be moving forward You know, throughout the rest of 2020 and then into 2021?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been it's been far reaching on a on a day to day operations standpoint. Uh, we operate data centers in, in Hong Kong and Singapore. So we we're actually um, at the forefront of seeing the impact of the lockdowns on the data center industry. And what happened in you know, just kind of a day-to-day manner was we were getting a lot more inbound calls for remote hand support. That our, our customers weren't able to go into the data centers and they needed Evoke to actually serve as more of a, a, more of a partner to help monitor and manage their IT equipment. So we saw a a, a five-fold increase in remote hands requests. Um, And we were able to use that experience in Hong Kong and Singapore and get ready for what was coming in the U.S., uh, where the same thing happened uh, just a few months later. So a really dramatic impact on on being more of a partner um, and a trusted partner for our clients as opposed to just the data center operator. Um, That's kind of more micro. On the macro level, we have seen... Um, a bit of a slowdown in some of the activity because, you know, cash is king. And in in an environment like this, where there's uncertainty, spending tens of millions of dollars on on new hardware and equipment or making a multi-year decision that's going to require you to spend millions of dollars, people put a pause on that. There was a lot more work internally to figure out what was going on, how to make sure their employees stayed safe. We are starting to see that come back around where uh, people are getting more comfortable and starting to make decisions again. And we would expect that the, the second half of 2020 and the first half of 2021 catches us back up to where we thought we would be. So more of a kind of a pause in activity than um, than a long-term, um, you know, downturn by any means.
0: Yeah, we just did a podcast, I think just a day or two ago. And one of the things we talked about was the demand within that enterprise segment. You know from the one cabinet to almost like one megawatt how we felt like that's probably the area that certainly has been impacted but you know as things start to uh maybe get more clear you know we believe that there will be a pickup in that uh you know towards the end of the year and the beginning of of uh, next year as well um, one of the things i'm interested in your input on uh, number one because of your background with tierpoint and what you've done in your career but also just where you are now, um, and it's as it relates to connectivity, you know, how enterprise users value um, connectivity today. We've seen, you know, uh, a tremendous increase in, uh, you know, the efficiency around cloud connectivity and some of the different ways now companies can utilize, you know, different cloud providers into their, you mentioned the hybrid IT model, but talk about uh, the importance of connectivity and how you're seeing that impact your customers today
1: no it's it's incredibly important right there's these decisions on where to put your your IT equipment how to manage your your network, um, how to manage your public cloud it's they, they aren't distinct decisions they all kind of have to be considered together so from a connectivity standpoint, um, the data centers that we bought were were AT&T data centers they were not highly connected and we knew that going in so over the last 18 months, we've had a concerted effort to bring many more carriers into our data centers. And it's important to remember, it's not just the number of carriers, it's having the right carriers, um, the right quality with the right global networks. So we've had a real focus on on making our data centers carrier neutral and more carrier dense. And that translates into just a higher level of satisfaction for for our customers. They, They wanna have those different options as they're building out their network topology. Um, and you mentioned the, the cloud on-ramps. We've also had great success bringing, um, bringing Megaport into our data centers. And it's not always that a customer needs to connect into AWS or Azure today, but they want to know they have a path to doing that um, within the next kind of 12 or 18 months. So uh, just like, you know, SSA 16, dating myself, um, was a requirement a kind of a check the box years ago. Now, making sure you have those cloud on ramps is, is a basic requirement for running a retail co-location data center.
0: Yeah, I think the, the data center user today, I mean, you you said it perfectly related to how, you know, if you're a user, you have to think uh, about the, the company that you're going to partner with Uh, you know, what they can do for you, not just today, but down the road. And I think that's such an important part that companies have to understand when they're, you know, executing agreements with someone like Evoke or someone else is, you know, how can they not only uh, help my needs today, but help me with what tomorrow might bring?
1: Yeah, that's Um, a great point. So flexibility, I think, is is something that's really um, a, a topic that's coming up more and more. And it's flexibility of, of spend customers, not knowing if, and we're, we love when, when clients deploy across kind of multiple data centers with us, um, for a number of reasons, but in many cases, those workloads are, are variable and giving them flexibility to kind of increase spend in Singapore by simultaneously maybe decreasing in London. I think that that flexibility is, is really top of mind. And then to your point, Flexibility, knowing that something is co-location today, but might need to go to public cloud tomorrow, and having that provider that's that's ready to support them um, in either case.
0: Yeah, w- when you think about the you know the next three to five years in our space, uh, from a trend perspective, uh, you know, as and I'm thinking of as the data center users trying to figure out you know the landscape, what the landscape will be. Uh, what I will have to uh, deal with, uh, what's maybe coming. What do you think are some of those trends that will impact, you know, how those data center users are thinking about the future, um, you know, moving forward?
1: Um, it's really focusing on the application, right? Understanding the workload and where those work- workloads are should, should best reside. Um, there are many that belong in a data center, um, either because of latency, cost, performance, or it's applications that just don't lend themselves to being replatformed or refactored to go into into public cloud. Um, There are many others that are going to be distributed, that you need to have them running in in multiple sites around the globe. And then when you start doing that, you bring in data sovereignty issues and and other compliance challenges, and then others that that belong and should be in AWS or Azure or GCP. So I think the, the biggest trend isn't, you know, it's you know, beating a dead horse, it is the hybrid approach to your IT environment, and that starts with looking at the applications and where they belong, and then making decisions um, about your infrastructure and your support and your processes and your compliance uh, around that.
0: That makes sense. When you took on the role uh, as CEO of Evoke, what were some of the first things that you you know, did or have done um, to, to get started? I mean, what were, what were the first things that you wanted to focus on to make sure that, you know, you hit the ground running as much as you could in the midst of, you know, the pandemic.
1: Yeah. So for me, I'm I'm a numbers guy. I needed to dive into the numbers and understand not not just the financials, but things about our data center. So which which, you know, what was the average number of clients and carriers per data center? What's the revenue per facility? What's the expansion potential and the economics around expanding those sites? Um, Doing kind of a detailed uh, or deep dive on our customer, customer segmentation, understanding the different verticals where we're we're successful, understanding which customers are kind of single site versus multi site. Um, When we make decisions, whether it's on the accounting side or go to go to market and and strategy, we're going to use data to help us make those decisions better and not kind of go off of intuition or anecdotes. It needs to be kind of based in, in that underlying data. So. I'm a reformed CFO. I had to dive in there and understand the numbers. And and that's where I've spent a lot of time. Um, But also you need to understand kind of the voice of the customer and what your customers are telling you. So trying as much as I can to either talk to sales reps, talk to clients and just hear from them why they chose evoke and how we can better support them going forward. Um, And I think if you can kind of marry those two things, marry the the voice of the customer, what they're telling you and what you're hearing from your sales force. With the underlying data, you're just going to be kind of much better positioned for for you know, making the right decisions going forward.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Well, so so going forward, what gets you most excited about Evoke and and the industry that we're in? I mean, obviously, you've been in this um, you know market for a long time and have you know tremendous amount of experience. But you know what what gets you most excited about um, this space? You know, over the next five, 10, 15 years.
1: Um. I mean, Just the sheer amount of potential growth there is, Um, knowing that just how IT in the last decade has evolved from a cost center mindset to a growth driver for every kind of industry and 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 CIOs and CTOs realizing they need trusted partners to capitalize on that. Uh, Running a data center isn't a core competency for for most companies. It is for Evoke. It's not for the law firm or even a technology startup shouldn't be worried about their data center. It's, it's the applications that they're focused on. So the long-term growth is really what gets me excited. And then thinking about how Evoke can participate in that. We talked a little bit about hyperscale and, and hyperscale opportunity there. Uh, that's, that's one area, but I'd say on the retail colo and the cloud and managed services and helping clients evolve is, is where we'll spend up, end up spending more of our time and our, our resources.
0: Well, Andy, thanks so much for uh, giving us an overview of uh, where the company is today, how you're moving forward, and just your background. You know, congratulations, congratulations on the role, and uh, we're excited to see Evoke uh, move forward in the future. Thanks again for joining us.
1: Thank you very much.